Now, I'm telling you, God wants you to be happy. And if you don't believe me, you need to look it up in the good book. In fact, some of y'all are out there podcasting this sermon midweek, eating your lunch with your Ikea magazine. And whether you're looking at furniture or a Froyo coupon, you need to stop and put the sandwich down. And you just need to go and look it up in the Bible that God wants you to be happy. It's all right. I'll wait. We'll be back right after this. You don't actually believe that, do you? Because that's not in here. I think he's right. I know that I saw it. So maybe it was a different translation. Nope. No, 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 no. You're not going to find it. Look, the preacher guy said it's in there. I know it's in there. What about the uh, Common English version? Common English and Common Knowledge says that's not in here. The standard of the Bible is to not say things like that. Oh, maybe it was the Amplified version. It's not in here. If you're real quiet, you can hear me still not finding it. You know what? King James. Hark, stubborn maiden, thou hast sought in vain in mine pages. You know what? It was in my copy of the message. My lord, the king will be most displeased. Well, thank you for joining us on the North Richmond Hills Campus of the Hills and for all of you that watch us online every week. We're so grateful that you are with us. I do want to encourage you to take seriously the nomination of elders. These are the men that guide our church into the next generation. So pray about it and turn that in today. And we hope to be ordaining men on every campus later this year. I've been preaching a long time. And one thing I have learned is that communication is difficult. And whether you preach or not, you already know this is true, that you can say something that you think is so clear, and you're convinced the other person heard exactly what you meant, but they heard something else. Like the young man who came up to the fellow and said, your daughter is crazy about me. She is always with me, and she says she wants to be with me forever. So the man said, so are you asking me if you can marry my daughter? No, I'm asking you to tell her to leave me alone. You see, communication is difficult. Or the uh, preacher who said, after the sermon, we're dismissed and we're going to have a meeting of the board in the fellowship hall. So after the sermon is over, the preacher walks in and there's a first time guest in the room. And he said, no, this is only for a meeting of the board. And the guy says, after that sermon, I've never been more bored in my life. So... The reason we're having this series, the Bible doesn't say that, is because in Christian culture, we put together certain cliches, and the reason they exist is because they are built on something that is true. It is true that God wants to help us bear our burdens, even if the Bible doesn't say He'll never give you more than you can handle. It is true that God works in all things to bring about good, even though the Bible doesn't say everything happens for a reason. Or, for example, I got some pushback from some people about my teaching on God 
uh, having a plan for your life. I don't think the Bible says that in the way that we often mean it. Uh, I don't believe God has a blueprint for your life. I believe He has a game plan, and inside that game plan, you have many choices. I do believe God guides our lives. I do believe God directs. I do believe God opens up doors for us. But let me illustrate. Dr. Kent Brantley, the well-known medical missionary that contracted and survived the Ebola virus, actually went to Abilene Christian University to be a minister. He changed his major to medicine later as a way to serve God. Now, if he had remained a Bible major and been a minister, would he have been disobedient to God? Would he have not been following the plan? Or even now, as he's trying to wrestle with, do I go back to Africa as a medical missionary, or do I stay in America and use the platform God has given me to preach the word of compassion and mercy? It seems to me both are awesome ways to serve God. And so, when we say these things, we are taking something that is true, but sometimes we take them too far. Now, I say all that because the sermon today has great potential to be misunderstood. Because I know people get very unhappy when you start messing with our culture's obsession with happy. Because we believe it is our inalienable right to pursue happiness. It is in the very foundation of our nation. In fact, we think the worst thing you can do to another person is to keep them from doing what they want to do to make them happy. We want all of our stories to end happily ever after. We really do, as a culture, worship happy. But we also worship God. So it's only to be expected that we would mix these two obsessions and it would come out something like God wants you to be happy. That it is God's job in heaven to be the boss of a big happy factory just cranking out can after can of happy for us. So you might think in heaven the angels are singing holy, holy, holy. But really, this is the theme song of heaven, right? And it's okay right now if you want to bounce your shoulders just a little bit. Although I will tell you, I'm not going to dance in public. I'm going to give you a quick parenting tip. When your kids get too old to spank or put in the corner, do you know how to get them to mind? Threaten to dance in public. My kids will stop any behavior if I say, you keep that up and I'm going to start dancing. A side point. Okay. Doesn't it sound true that God wants us to be happy? After all, God doesn't want us to be unhappy, does he? But think about it. If God wants me to be happy, then chocolate and bluebell ice cream would not be fattening. Cats would be an endangered species if God wants me to be happy. And Jerry Jones would have sold the Cowboys 20 years ago if God wants me to be happy. Often, God wants me to be happy says a whole lot more about what I want than about what God wants. But again, does God want us to be unhappy? Do you sense the tension here? So we're going to kind of dive in. And here's the first thing I want you to understand. The Bible does not say that happiness is a problem. 
Grumpiness is not next to godliness. And glumness is not a good witness. We all know Christians who act like they were baptized in lemon juice. And they don't represent Jesus well. My very first job, I worked in the candy counter of the Sears store on Jefferson Street in South Dallas. Now, that's back when department stores actually had candy counters. And you could go buy your chocolate-covered peanuts or your popcorn. And my manager was named Charlotte. A wonderful person, but she was not a believer. She had had a very tough life, but she became fond of me. She would often schedule me to work when she worked. So I've been there about a year, and I'm about to leave and go get a job loading trucks so I can make more money. And Charlotte was sad that I was leaving. I said, Rick, what are you going to do after you get out of high school? I said, Charlotte, I've already been accepted at a Christian college because I want to go train to become a minister. And I'll never forget this. She suddenly looked at me strangely and said, you don't seem like a minister to me. And immediately I thought, okay, she's known me a year. What has she seen in me that would disqualify me from being a minister? I said, Charlotte, why don't you think I could be a minister? I'll never forget. She said, I don't know. It's just, well, you seem like such a happy person. And it was my first time to realize that the perception of many people, of Christian people, is that we're not particularly delightful people. And yet we were created in the image of God, which means we were created with immense capacity to be delighted. Because God is the most joyous being in all the universe. Dallas Willard helped me to see this. He said one time he was in South Africa and a friend took him to the beach. Well, he's seen lots of beaches, but he never expected the beauty he saw that day. He said it was just stunning. As I walked toward the water, I just felt more and more a sense of almost giddiness come over me. And it dawned on me, this is God every moment. That God has views like this, billions of views in billions of different worlds every moment. That it is God's nature To be full of delight. And because God is a good father, God delights when his children are delighted. You've walked into a room when your kids were playing and they were laughing and they were giggling. And didn't you just find your heart bursting with delight at the happiness of your children? But if you are a good parent, you know. That you did not make your goal to do whatever you had to do to keep your kids happy. Because if your goal was to do whatever they wanted to make them happy, you know they would have grown up to be petty, spoiled, immature, self-absorbed adults. And God's not going to do that. And so God's not going to wire the world so that you constantly stay happy. God has ordered the world so that times of happy and times of unhappy come to all. The preacher says in Ecclesiastes, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this, God has made the one as well as the other. And notice happiness is connected to times. Happy And happen, both come from the English word hap, which means chance. So, if things happen to happen, 
I'll be happy. But if they happen to happen a different way, I won't be happy about that. So happiness is circumstantial and always has a fleeting quality to it. A good example in the book of Jonah. It says that he was outside the city of Nineveh chapter 4 and it was very hot. And God had a shade tree grow up and give him shade. It says that made Jonah very happy. But then a worm came and caused the tree to die. And Jonah was very unhappy. And that's how happiness works. If you got the shade, you're happy. If you lose the shade, you're not happy. And God has ordered the world so that the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. And we have times of shade and times when the shade is gone. And you don't have to put on a plastic smiley face if you're a Christian and pretend that you are always happy. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Because sometimes you're going through a season of hardship and sometimes you're in a season of happiness. And right now in this room, we have people in both seasons. And God is big enough and the church should be big enough for people in both places to come together. Because God delights in your happiness. He is thrilled when you are in a time or season where things are happening that make you happy. But God has never claimed that the pursuit of our happiness is his highest aim. So the Bible doesn't have a problem with happiness, but the Bible doesn't say happiness is a promise. And the reality is a lot of misery results from the mindset that I am entitled to be happy. Now think with me for a moment. If I believe God wants me to be happy, then I'll start to conclude that whatever makes me happy must be right. Sure, I'm in a lot of debt right now, but man, I I just know if I had those new shoes, I'd be happy. So I'll just pull out the credit card and buy it because God wants me to be happy. I, I know some pretty crazy stuff's going on over there at that party. But they're sure having fun. And I could use a can of happy right now. And God wants me to be happy. And I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation. Yeah, I know I made a promise. I know I made a vow. Till death do us part. But we're just not getting along right now. And to be honest. I've met somebody else. And they make me happy. Do you see the kind of thinking you start to have if happy is the grid? And if God wants me to be happy, then that would mean that hardship and discomfort and risk can't be God's will for me. Why would I ever sacrifice? Why would I ever get out of my comfort zone? That doesn't make me happy. For that matter, why would I ever pick up a cross? Do you think Jesus thought Calvary was a happy place? Do you see what happens? It's a subtle form of idolatry because this thinking makes God exist to serve me, which inevitably will lead to disappointment in God. 
And we've all had that conversation with someone who said, you know, I, I tried the God thing. I, I, I did the church thing. It didn't work for me. And what does that really mean? It didn't make me happy. And isn't it true that most of the great decisions of disobedience in your life you made motivated because you thought happiness was somewhere else? So just like the prodigal, you went to the far country because you thought it would make you happy. Nobody understands the appeal of happy like the advertising industry. They are constantly telling you what you need to buy that we're selling comes with a can of happy. I was going down the street the other day to my house and I saw a little place that had a title above the door that said happy nails. Did you know that getting your nails done can make you happy? Did you know that the car dealership is having the happy days sale? And so come get a car. Did you know that you can go and get a drink if it's happy hour? And no one does this more strategically or brilliantly than McDonald's. Because they know there is a market out there of young parents wondering, what can I do to get my three-year-old to stop screaming? And so they say, come to McDonald's and we will put a warmed up hamburger and some warmed up fries and a cheap toy in a sack and we will sell you a healthy meal, a hungry meal. Oh, no, no. We are going to sell gazillions of Happy Meals. And let me just ask you, how long does that work? So your three-year-old eats their Happy Meal. They go and they play in the playscape. And 30 minutes later, you say, okay, honey, it's time to go home. Come get in the car. Now, normally they would scream and fuss about not wanting to leave. But not today. No, they hop up and say, oh, absolutely, Mom, because I'm so happy. (laughs) And we laugh. But as we get older, we just buy bigger and more expensive Happy Meals. Because everyone's looking for a can of happy. In New York City, there's over 20 million pets. Well, if your dog or cat dies, you can't just go out to the backyard and bury it, right? So the city offers a service for $50. They'll come and they'll take the carcass of your pet away. And this enterprising woman put an ad in the paper that said, I'll come get your dog or cat for $25. Here's what she did. She would go to Goodwill or Salvation Army. She'd buy an old suitcase for $2. Show up at the apartment, get the carcass, put it in the suitcase, get on the subway, put it down, turn the other way, act distracted. Within a couple of stops, somebody would steal her suitcase. (laughs) And they would get home thinking they had just stole some happy. But they're so disappointed. And we all are. Because... If you set your GPS on happy, you will never stop driving. What if what we were really seeking was a different destination than we imagined? And what if God 
was not in the way of our highest joy. He actually was the way. I don't find Jesus telling us to pursue happy. He told us something else. Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. What Jesus said is that the kingdom is a better pursuit. And here's why we're often so unhappy. You ready? Life refuses to recognize your sovereignty. Or to put it another way, you don't ever get to be king. And so if you are needing everything to work out the way you want, and the way you would order it, and the way you would command for you to get happy, you're never going to get there, because you don't ever get to be in control. You are not, you never have been, you never will be sovereign. Happiness is the byproduct of seeking a better reign. Jesus said over and over, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Don't seek your reign, seek His And when God's rule and God's reign becomes your agenda, and that's what you pursue, here's the reality. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what the stock market does. It doesn't matter what the headlines are. It doesn't matter what the lab report says. You can still pursue the reign of God. And what happens then is that you begin to experience a contented spirit. That can't be explained, but it can't be explained away. Jesus said there's, there's something that will not make sense about your life to people that don't pursue God's kingdom. Matthew 5, happy are people whose lives are harassed. What? Why? Because they're righteous and they have the kingdom. If you pursue the kingdom, nothing can stop you from what you want. Happy are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you all because of me. Be full of joy and be glad because you have a great reward in heaven. Richard Wormrent was the man that founded the ministry called Voice of the Martyrs, which is the organization that keeps a record of the persecuted church around the world. He would be a good person to found it because he knows firsthand. He was born in Romania, Jewish faith. He came to Christ as a young adult about the time that the country became controlled by the Communist Party. Before he was finally exiled to America, he spent many years in prison. He wrote about it in his book, Tortured for Christ. And let me tell you, it's a hard read. Some of the things he went through were chilling. But in that book, he writes this stunning paragraph. 
it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price, listen, for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. Who thinks like that? Not people who think that happy is some what. And yet, don't you have the memory of some time in your life when you went through a circumstance and it was not happy? And yet you look back and you were transformed by that circumstance because in it you experienced the grace and goodness of God at a depth you had never known before. That's why I don't really like how sometimes preachers say, God's not into your happiness. He cares about your holiness like it's either or. You know, you can be holy and miserable or you can be happy and ungodly. No, what if pursuing God and His reign and living holy was the path to the higher joy? Because when our lives are focused on the reign of Christ, the Spirit of Christ is released To fill us with something that's better than happiness. Paul put it like this. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. E. Stanley Jones, who was often called the Billy Graham of India, said, I'm a happy man. Because my happiness is not dependent on happenings. But upon the joy of belonging to Him, whatever happens. The Bible says the kingdom is a better pursuit. And if you pursue the kingdom, you get something better than happiness. You get joy. And joy is a better gift. You read the book of Acts and the early Christians went through a lot of things that you would not call happy. And yet they were full of joy. Just like Jesus promised. Jesus promised a better gift. Remember the night before he died he said to them, Now is your time of grief. Because he was going away. But I will see you again. I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to destroy the grave. I'm going to come back. And you will rejoice And no one will take away your joy. Joy is independent of changes and of chances. It doesn't come in a package. It comes in a presence. Because happiness doesn't come from pursuing happiness. It comes from pursuing God. Here's what happy people know. Happy's not a what. And if you spend the rest of your life chasing 
the next what to make you happy. You'll have to chase after you get that, the what next, and the what else. And happy is not a what. Happy is a who. The psalmist says, let your people be happy and celebrate because of you. Because God is not in the way of your highest joy. God is the way. The memory that kept flooding back to me while I worked on this sermon was my mother-in-law, Bobby Lydon. Jamie's mother had a very hard last few years of her life. She was a widow. She had declining financial resources. She was severely diabetic. And by that, I mean every single day of her life was affected by that terrible disease. She was so hard of hearing, she was practically deaf. And yet we witnessed in the last two years of her life a profound transformation of her spirit. You know what happened? She discovered a real relationship with God. She told Jamie one time, she said, you know, all my life I knew God loved the world. I never could believe he loved me. But he does. He really, really does love me. And it was just the week before she died. Her husband had died after several years of congestive heart failure, and it was a very difficult passing. And she she said, Jamie, I'm praying I won't go that way. I'm praying I'll pass suddenly. But you need to know something. I'm happy. I'm really, really happy. And she was. Not because of what was going on in her life but because of who she got to know. The Bible doesn't say that God wants you to be happy. The Bible says God wants you to have something better. And I do too. That's why I want to pray over you. So bow your heads. But before I pray, here's what I want you to do. Let's be honest. Most of us have some what in our life that we're wrestling with because we're just convinced if that what would happen, we'd be happier. And that what can become an idol. So just confess it right now. Say, Lord, I do not want that what to keep me from having the joy you want me to have right now. So just talk to the Lord about that. Oh God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that love and joy and peace will reign in our hearts. This world is so desperately in need of the witness of a people whose spirit is not affected by headlines and stock markets and lab reports, but who have a joy that can't be explained that cannot be explained away help us 
to be that people for Jesus' sake. Amen. So let me ask you to stand. Upstairs and downstairs we have some prayer leaders. You can come as we sing this song and you can ask for prayer. You can come and talk about being baptized. We had three awesome people baptized last night. I know some more are going to be baptized later today. Maybe this is the day for you to make that decision that causes angels to rejoice in heaven. We're going to worship the Lord with joy this morning. It's your time to come while we do.